0: Well, this evening, we're going to look at the very first verse that Mike read to us. Uh, Galatians chapter 5 and verse 1. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. I want you to think, who is it that can be set free? And it won't take you long to come to the conclusion that a free man doesn't need to be set free. It's a captive that needs to be set free. We are the captives and Christ has set us free. Think for a moment of the prisoner who's in jail. Think of a captive bird who has its cage opened. Think of those villages in Normandy in 1944 as the Allies advanced and liberated them. Freedom had come. The restraints which held them back had all now gone. Now I have to admit that I have a soft spot for owls, the birds. And in Picton Castle in Pembrokeshire, they have a large collection of owls. They're from around the world. There are snowy owls and eagle owls. There are barn owls and burrowing owls. There are little owls and grey owls. I could go on. Beautiful birds and to see them up close is a real treat. But even more of a treat for us is that we have resident tawny owls at our home just behind us. It's one of the largest British owls, and we hear them most nights and sometimes during the day. We've even seen them sat on the end of the, the pole at the end of our washing line, and sometimes at dusk you can see them in the trees behind us. You can get remarkably close because they don't seem to have any natural predators. They don't seem to fear anything. Close up, they are quite magnificent. Wonderful feathered wings that fly silently through the woods. Huge focused eyes. Hearing that is 20 times more sensitive than ours. They are simply stunning. If I could quote Chris Packham, they are a top bird. But the best thing is that our little family of owls have recently fledged some owlets, technical term for a baby owl. And these newborns have the habit of sitting on the roof of our house a couple of feet outside our bedroom window incessantly calling at night. Do you know, it's a marvel of God's creation but not much good if you're trying to get any sleep. So how sad that those owls at Picton Castle are all caged up. True, they don't have to go out hunting for their supper. But that's not what they were created for. They were created to be free. They were created to glide silently and majestically through the forests of the world or over the Russian steppes. They're birds that are designed to be free. But we hold them captive. Freedom is a precious commodity. Freedom is to be prized. Freedom is a privilege. And so as we look at this verse from Paul, are we prisoners or are we free? Are we incarcerated or do we have liberty? And if somehow we are enslaved, how is that and why is that? Well, the answer for the Galatians was that it was the law which was constraining them. There were Judaizers who were falsely teaching uh, the new church that to be saved, they needed to be subject to the ceremonial law. So the whole point of Paul's letter is to refute this. They don't need, as these Judaizers were teaching, they don't need to be circumcised to be saved, which is what the law said. Because salvation is a gift, it's not earned by what we do. So in Christ we are free from the ceremonial law, free from all its rituals, free from the things that they needed to do to atone for sin. Because for us salvation comes through faith alone in Christ. Now at this point you might be glazing over. It's been a long hot hot week hasn't it? And lectures on ceremonial law are not the sort of things that are going to keep us awake on a Sunday night, are they? So you might be thinking, this isn't my problem. Because few of us are stumbling because of our trust in ceremonial law. It might be that some think that we are saved by being baptized, or some think we are saved by taking communion, but we accept these are celebrations. Of salvation not a means of salvation so what does Paul have to teach us here in this passage if we're not in danger of being enslaved to a ceremonial law well the second part of the reading which Mike read verses 13 to 25 Paul tells us of a spiritual battle a battle which rages within the heart of everyone who will follow Christ and it's a battle of wills Paul characterizes it in verse 13 as a battle as to whether you indulge in the sinful nature or whether we serve one another. And he quotes Jesus' command, love your neighbour as yourself. So we have two alternative visions of life. A life governed by the flesh, which he has characterised as self-centred, self-serving and destructive. And a life which is governed by the spirit, which is serving, giving. God first, neighbour second. So the first life pleases self the second life pleases God the first puts us first the second one puts our neighbor first the first life is destructive the second builds peace and harmony the first leads to death but the second leads to life now if those are the choices I guess for us the answer is obvious isn't it choose life But it's not that straightforward. Paul implies that rather than enjoying our freedom in Christ, perversely, we seek ways to go back into the captivity from which we've come. Do you remember the Israelites tried to do that in the wilderness? They tried to go back to be slaves in Egypt. It'd be a bit like my lovely owl wanting to go back into its cage. But surely that's not true of us. Surely we can see the freedom that new life brings in Christ, because we're smart. We know that if we renounce the sins of the flesh and stick to Christ, then that's enough. But yes, we are smart. And yes, we do know the right answers. But it doesn't mean we make the right choices because we're in the middle of a battle and it's a battle for our soul. There's an enemy who wants to distract us and deceive us and divert us from what we know is right. How often have you heard on the news of some perfectly normal, sensible person getting scammed out of their savings? We all know never to give our PIN number to somebody over the phone. And yet people are deceived because the enemy we have is subtle and finds our vulnerability. There is a battle, there is a war that is raging, a war that is being fought in our hearts. We underestimate conflict. A group of academics and historians have done a study of war, and they concluded that since BC 360, that's over 5,600 years ago, since BC 360, the world has only known 292 years of peace. 95% of our history, there has been war and conflict. And during that period, they calculate there have been over 14,000 different wars and 3.6 billion people have been killed. But something doesn't surprise us. We expect conflict between different peoples. But listen to what Paul tells the Ephesians. There is a war raging... Within us, Ephesians 6 and verse 10 says, Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armour of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armour so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything, to stand. Common sense says, well, we know what the issues are. We see the temptations. We're aware of the enemy's manoeuvres. But we have a deceiver who's prowling around. Do you remember what Peter said? 1 Peter 5 and verse 8. Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Paul and Peter, same message. Fight to safeguard our freedom so we are not deceived into becoming slaves again. So, firstly, we must not be deceived by our enemy. We must stand and fight. But the second thing about freedom is we're not to indulge what Paul calls the sinful nature. Because we are free, we are free to do good and we are free to do evil. We are free to reflect the character of Christ and we're free to indulge in our sinful nature. We're free to love God and to love others and we're free to be self-absorbed. That's what freedom means. And a slave doesn't serve his master out of love. A slave serves his master out of fear and duty. So how do we serve Jesus? Surely we serve Jesus out of love. And we choose love because we're free. So Paul gives us these two opposite lives that we can choose. A life subject to the sinful nature or a life subject to the spirit of God. But the choice isn't that straightforward because we have a default position and our default position is the sinful nature. So Paul says to us, we must place our sinful nature under the control of the spirit. It's what he calls crucifying the flesh. That way the spirit retains, uh, restrains our desire to gratify that sinful nature. But Paul says we need to be continually walking in the spirit. Walking under submission to him. And when we walk in the Spirit, our sinful nature is crucified. That means it's made powerless. So we don't have the hankering to gratify that sinful nature because it's lost its power. That's the freedom for which Christ has set us free. If we stop living by the Spirit, the sinful nature regains control and we become slaves again to sin. And that's what God calls us to do, to have victory, to claim victory in the name of Jesus over all that oppresses us. He calls us tonight to freedom. He calls us to break those things which hold us bondage. There's an opportunity this evening for you to submit yourself totally to him so that he can overcome all those things which bind you. Salvation was hard won on Calvary and freedom in Christ is still hard won today. Because even though Satan has lost the war, he still fights a rearguard action seeking to wound those uh, who are following Christ. So we need the full armour of God. We need to be alert and not deceived. And we need to treasure that freedom that Christ has won for us. There's a story uh, long ago of a remote Swiss village near Candersteg in the Swiss Alps. And it had a beautiful church. It was known as the Mountain Valley Cathedral. And it was not only beautiful to look at with high pillars and stained glass windows, but the sound that came out of this building was fantastic because it had an exquisite pipe organ. One day, something went wrong with that organ and so they got in experts and musicians from all around the place to try and fix this organ, but none of them could succeed. One day, an old man turned up at the door and he spoke to the vicar and the vicar reluctantly allowed this old man to try to fix the organ. There was almost total silence for a couple of days and the vicar was starting to get nervous and suddenly this organ metaphorically burst into song glorious music came out and almost everyone in the village heard this miraculous transformation and they came to hear and after the old man had finished playing someone asked him how he'd been able to fix the organ and the old man was a bit quiet and reticent but eventually he said well it's a bit of an inside job, you see. I was the one that built this organ 50 years ago. So I positioned every pipe and I know every stop and I installed every key. I created it and now I've restored it. God made you. And God knows what is good for you. Which is why he gives us this wonderful verse. It is for freedom that Christ Has set us free. Let's just pray together.